Hello and welcome to The Virgo Show. I am your host, Emiliano Fergoso. It is currently 12.08 here in the Phoenix Valley on Saturday afternoon, and thank you all for joining me here on this first episode, the launch of my podcast. So to give you guys a little bit of a background on what this podcast is going to entail, what the future is going to bring for this show, uh, my name is Emiliano Fergoso. I am currently a senior at the at Arizona State University in the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, getting my bachelor's in sports journalism and my minor in business. I'm also currently a part of Cronkite News in Arizona PBS as a digital reporter as well as an audio host. And so outside of those things, I want this podcast to serve as kind of a, a sanctuary for me and a place to get my sports thoughts um, out into the world, I guess, unfiltered. In, in ways I, I feel I can't always do under the Cronkite realm, so I'm starting my own podcast because I want to do radio. I've had love for radio um, since, I, since my early ages in Sacramento, uh, growing up in Sacramento, California. I'm a big Kings fan, big Raiders fan, everything like that, and I remember as a kid listening to sports radio, sports talk radio growing up with my dad, and ever since then I've, I've been hooked. I've wanted to do that since I was a little, little kid. So here I am now launching this podcast as a, as a first stepping stone from going from a, a college student to a professional in the industry, which I really can't believe I'm saying. I'm only three months away from graduating, which is honestly unbelievable to even think about. You know, only three short years ago, I started school here at Arizona State University, and now here we are graduating in a very, very short amount of time. But yeah, so that's what this podcast is going to serve at. It's going to have a host of guests, you know, from athletes to my own family members, as I grew up in a very big sports background, sports household. So we're going to have, you know, athletes, um, personalities, anything like that. And as well, if you guys have any suggestions at all, feel free to let me know on Spotify. Let me know on my Instagram, at Emiliano Fergoso, on my Twitter, at Emiliano Fergoso. Feel free to hit me up with any suggestions, any constructive criticism, because I just want to get better. I want to get better as a radio personality and just as a multimedia journalist in general. So please, please, please let me know. And please, please, thank you. Thank you guys, honestly, for listening to this podcast and listening to me ramble on here. It'll be about an hour-long podcast that comes out every single week, normally on a Friday afternoon. And the reason why I'm doing this on a Saturday afternoon this week is actually to go into our first topic. I wanted to recap Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester United. I wanted to wait for the slate of morning games to be done in the Premier League before I went into this podcast. So let's get right into it. Cristiano Ronaldo is back. He's back at Old Trafford. He's back at Manchester United. And that is such a big deal. What an incredible game it was today for Manchester United, finishing 4-1 against Newcastle in a game that, you know, you look at the scoreline and it really doesn't reflect the entirety of the game, actually, because Newcastle had a lot of chances as they, as they actually tied it up in the 56th minute, um, thanks to Javi Maquillo's Mar uh, goal in the 56th minute, great assist as well by Alan St. Maxime, but the star of the show, of course, was who else but the king himself, Cristiano Ronaldo, two goals in his return, having a brace in his return, as well as just looking like Ronaldo, even at the ripe age of, of, in his, of his mid to late 30s. He looks absolutely devastating still, having a fantastic poaching goal uh, in the beginning. A ric ricochet shot that Ronaldo was just there for right before the half in the 45th, 45th minute and the extra time of the 45th minute, as well as in the second half, Ronaldo 
just doing his vintage Ronaldo stuff, stepping over, getting through, and being able to slide it through the goalkeeper, the Newcastle goalkeeper's legs, and scoring his second as well. As well, we had a great showing from Paul Pogba with an assist in the 80th minute to Bruno Fernandez. As well, Jesse Lingard and another assist, of course, by Paul Pogba. Who else? Paul Pogba has an absolutely insane seven assists so far um, in the Premier League. And Manchester United are absolutely rolling right now. They look stellar. The only really area of concern, I would say, right now would be their defense, as they did let Newcastle get away with a couple chances there that could have been converted. Veron, um, as he, you know, Rafael Veron was the other big signing this year that they had. So as he gets into match day form and gets his fitness up and gets his sharpness up with, you know, adjusting to the Premier League, because it's totally different than La Liga where he played at Real Madrid, he will become that world-class center back that he has been known to be uh, with the with Real Madrid. So well, we will wait to see that, him and his partnership with Harry Maguire, uh, we wait to see that blossom. But just an overall great showing from, from Manchester United. And it's honestly, as an Arsenal fan myself, you know, it's hard to watch Manchester United do really, really well, but it is absolutely superb to see Cristiano Ronaldo back at there. It's a little bit of a sentimental feeling for me, actually, you know, being a Portuguese heritage and seeing Ronaldo, the king, uh, one of the greatest play football players of all time, of all time. R regardless of what you think he could be the GOAT, it's always up to question. He is one of the best, regardless of what anyone has to say, and he really showed that today as he is now... No longer a winger on the left wing. He is a pure number nine striker, and he is a pure poacher, a pure target man. He looks absolutely in form, even in his first start with Manchester United. And it's just great to see him back in um, as, as a Red Devil. It's really great to see him back there. And just the competition level in the Premier League is just unreal this year. It is absolutely stellar. As we move forward to our next game, the other game was a late slate game that just ended. Uh, Chelsea versus Ashton Villa, which ended... 3-0 to Chelsea, but the game was a lot closer, as same like the Newcastle game. It was a lot closer than the scoreline says, but the real star of that show was the return of Romelu Lukaku to Stamford Bridge and getting his first goals at Stamford Bridge with an incredible, brilliant, brilliant brace. One goal in the first half where he, where he gets a long ball by Kovacic, who also scored in his own right. Absolutely stellar game by Kovacic as well. He has a long ball all the way from the from the from mid pitch, cutting back against against the defender Konsas on Aston Villa, and Romelu Lukaku does does what he does as a clinical number nine, stops, steps over, fakes out the defender, gets on his right foot and slots it past the keeper. Brilliantly done, and then later on in the game he was absolutely so he just was everywhere today, as well scoring in the 90th minute with a great left footed shot from out from just outside the box. Absolutely smashed it back past the keeper. There was no chance at all. He looks to be in form as well. And this Chelsea side really doesn't have a lot of weaknesses right now. I know Ashton Villa were knocking on the door. They looked pretty, pretty good. But this side, this Chelsea side, looks almost unstoppable right now. I mean, they are unbelievable. As well, incredible saves by Eduardo, Men Eduardo Mendy. I mean, he was everywhere today too. Ollie Watkins, a striker for Ashton Villa, gave him everything he can handle and he made brilliant, brilliant saves. Honestly could have been man of the match alongside Lukaku, but again that is reserved for the brace for the brace man himself, Lukaku. So those two went hand in hand and Chelsea just look unreal. Kovacic in the midfield looks great. 
Um, Saul as well made his de debut for Chelsea, you know, him being alone with an option to buy from Atletico Madrid coming over on the deadline day. He didn't perform as well as some fans would have hoped, but again, the difference from La Liga to Premier League is a big, big discrepancy. So we will have to wait and see as he gets in form and gets his sharpness up. We will see what that entails for him. Moving forward, some of the biggest surprises, though, from this match week four. I mean, Tottenham. As an Arsenal fan, absolutely love seeing Tottenham lose. Not a fan of Tottenham. I'm just going to say right now on this podcast, if you're a Tottenham fan, sorry, not a fan Not a fan of, of, the, of that team. I respect them and support them, but as an Arsenal fan, there's a bit of a rivalry there, obviously. But Tottenham, I mean, they were first in the Premier League coming into match week four, and they lose a crucial game against Crystal Palace. I mean, I wouldn't say crucial, it's still early on, but a big game against Crystal Palace, not a lot, the, not a lot, uh, the result was not a lot that people expected. 3-0 to Crystal Palace on a 10-man Tottenham side that, that lost uh, their, their young defender, Tonganga, in the 58th minute with a double yellow. I mean, I don't know what happened for, for, for Nuno Santos' side, but they did not look like the Tottenham that had played in, in the three previous weeks. They looked frantic. They weren't able to settle down. They weren't able to score. And we'll, we'll see what happens now. I mean, Tottenham got off to a hot start. But again, as we get into the later stages of the Premier League, the, the dog days, you would say, you know, going into, you know, week 15, week 20, all that stuff. We will see if Tottenham's form can stay up to date. Um, but just also a great, great, great game from Wilfred, from Wilfred Zaha. Great, great job by Super Sub. Odose Eduardo, who, Odose Eduardo, who came on um, in the 84th minute, and he had two goals, had a brace in six minutes of play um, for the young guy from Celtic that's the, the, the Crystal Palace brought over. He just looked phenomenal. He looked in form already, and so that's very, very exciting to see Crystal Palace, and maybe they can make a stride to not be in the relegation battle this year, but to possibly... Finish mid-table, who knows, maybe they can even try and go for a European League spot. I know, a little far-fetched right now, it's Crystal Palace. I understand it's still early, but they looked very, very well against a Tottenham side that really weren't up for it today. So we will see what happens with them moving forward, but it was just, it's just great to see. It's a great day when Tottenham lose. <laughs> it's a great day when Tottenham lose and Arsenal win. Um, a couple other biggest surprises, we'll get into Arsenal in a minute. A couple other big biggest surprises from the week. Brighton, fourth right now. They are in fourth place right now. They are in the Champions League spot. I know it's early. Again, it is very, very early, week four. But they are in a Champions League spot right now. Brighton. <laughs> and they haven't had the most impressive wins. I mean, today winning 1-0 against Brentford uh, with a 90-minute goal from Trossard. I mean, Leandro Trossard. They just they play good football and whatever, uh, whatever Porter has going on or Potter has going on over there in the south, he is doing a very very good job of getting this team ready, getting this team organized. I mean, they've only lost to Everton. They lost that uh, two nil last week in the last match week. But besides that, beating Watford two two nil in match week two and in the first game winning two one against Burnley. So they haven't faced any top tier sides yet, and I don't expect them to stay. At fourth, but it is a bit, uh, a bit of a surprise to see them playing so well early on, considering they're usually a relegation battling team. You know, a mid-table team if they're lucky. I would say if they're lucky, they're usually kind of fighting for that relegation spot or that like 14, 15 spot around there. 
So we will see what goes on. I mean, they got a great squad. You know, they they, they, they got a lot of good players. And as an Arsenal fan, obviously, we took one of their players here and Ben White. But they still have a very good squad. They have Neil Bapai, Trossard, who scored today. Danny Welbeck, former Arsenal player. Um, Lewis Dunk. I mean, they, they have a lot of players of of, of knowledge, of, of experience. And so we will see where this goes. And, and Graham Potter, I mean, he's, he's a, he is a solid manager to back them. But we will see it's still early on. Now, on to one of my favorite segments of the show. Uh, we we introduced the show, our first segment of the show, actually. What did Arsenal do now? Now, I started this, I started this segment a while back on, a, on another soccer show I had with a couple of my friends. Shout out to Marco Peralta, shout out to Ethan Ryder, shout out to Nicholas Hodel, my colleagues. Uh, we had a soccer show called The Offside Show on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com, which is uh, the radio station out of the Cronkite School here at Arizona State. We did that show for two years, ended Ended it this year after Marco graduated, and we want we had other things we had to do. Ethan's always busy covering football. Nick's got his own shows, and I'm graduating, so it made sense to end it, unfortunately. But absolutely loved that show. Anyways, on to our show, and on to what did Arsenal do now. So the premise of what did Arsenal do now is basically it's basically a rant. <laughs> it's basically a rant of. Just how I feel about Arsenal, being an Arsenal fan, is very, very daunting and very, very... What's a good word to say? Frustrating is a good word to say. It's, it's, it's really frustrating. I mean, this team plays like dog shit most of the time, but they, play, they won today. I can't be mad. They won today 1-0 one, one against Norwich, but, but honestly... I was left unimpressed. I got up early this morning at 7 a.m. to watch this game. I, I thought we would win. I knew uh, we were going to have a couple new signings on. Odegaard was going to play as well as Tomihiro Tomiyasu, Tomiyasu was going to play our new right back slash center back that we signed on deadline day. And so I wanted to see what this team was made of as well as, you know, Mikel Arteta. He's been in the hot seat lately. Arsenal hadn't scored a goal in the Premier League until today. It's match week four. That's almost unheard of. The last time Arsenal didn't score in their first three Premier League games was before my parents were born in the 1950s. Think about that. Almost a 70-year difference. It's been almost 70 years since that's happened. So, anyway, what did Arsenal do now? I mean, 1-0 victory. I'm thrilled we got our first win. Um, getting three points was so massive. We had to come away with a win here. But I was, just, I was left unimpressed. And not by our defense, surprisingly, because I feel like our defense actually played pretty well. They had some chances, yes, but our new signings in Ramsdale and then and then Tomihiro Tomiyasu. I'm gonna call him Tommy because I, I just I I love the nickname Tommy. They played really really well. I can't believe I'm saying that. Not only did Aaron Ramsdale, I mean, he just looked confident in in, in goal. He looked assured. He he had this chemistry with the rest of the team that I have not seen before. Um, I, I was I, not, not, I, not that I haven't seen it before, but that I haven't seen in recent times. I mean, Burnt Leno, bless his soul, Burnt Leno, but he makes a lot of boneheaded mistakes that I feel like Aaron Ramsdale might be able to correct being um, our goalkeeper for Arsenal moving forward. And this could be a sign of the youth movement. I mean, Arteta and the board have always talked about you know, they want to build build a, a future here, build a chemistry here, build a certain style here. And that's why they've gone out and spent over $150 million 
um, in signings this year, even though the signings were lesser known or they weren't the best signings to other people, they're trying to build a team here, a team squad, and that's why most of the signings we had this year were much younger, under 23, 24 years old. And so you saw a lot of those signings this game, you know, Odegaard, who played last year, but he's now a permanent Arsenal player, as well as Sami Lokonga, who played fantastic today. Lokonga, as well, having another great, great game. Uh, ben White was commanding on the ball. He looked great. He looked much, much better today, much, much more comfortable against Norwich than he did in his last game against City, against Man City, as well as the return of Gabriel. I think that really helped him in his partnership. Uh, we've been missing Gabriel due to injury for the first three games, but he's back now. Thomas Partey is back. He came on um, and looked very confident, um, as well as I, I just had to, I had to talk about Tommy. I had to talk about our number 18, our new right back. He won five out of five aerial duels in the first half. And if you know Arsenal, they don't win many aerial duels lately. They really, really struggle with the aerial. And so Tommy really played well. He looked commanding. He looked confident. He was all over the pitch. He had a great work rate uh, similar to Odegaard's. He just he wanted to be out there and wanted to show and improve and show himself and his talent. And so I'm, I'm very, very pleased with Tommy. He came off early in the second half due to cramps. Um, I would love to have seen him play more, but he was cramping up, so it makes sense to bring him off. But he, he looked stellar. I'm, I'm actually excited to see what he has to offer on that right-back spot. I think today really proved that he has a lot of potential and could really be our right-back in the future, our, our Japanese warrior, as, as, they're, as they're calling him. Um, but, yeah, this team really, um, besides our defense and besides our, the new signs in Ramsdale and Tomiyasu, really didn't impress me today. Um, just in terms of our goal-scoring prowess, we haven't had our goal-scoring prowess that we had in recent time with Aubameyang. He's really, really struggled. I mean, he got the goal today, but he really has struggled to be that number nine. He, he had a lot of breakaways today, and he just couldn't finish them, having him deflected by Cruel, hitting him right in, into, into Tim Cruel, the goalkeeper for Norwich. He just doesn't seem as clinical as he was two years ago in the FA Cup when he scored that, that worldie against Chelsea. I mean, against Chelsea and against Liverpool. He just doesn't look the same as he did two years ago. But again, he is getting up there in age now. I believe he's almost 32 years old now. Um, he struggled with COVID as well as malaria in recent past. So he's had a lot going on in his life. Um, but we will see what happens. I would love to see Aubameyang uh, come back. But this could be this could be a sign of things to come for Arsenal. If we can't get our creativity and our, our goal-scoring prowess back, I don't see how we're going to be able to compete with the other top sides because, frankly, this is the most loaded I've ever seen in the Premier League. I couldn't tell you who's going to finish top four, but I can tell you what teams are better than Arsenal, and that's at least five or six teams, I would say. We have Chelsea, Liverpool, um, Tottenham probably is better than them as well. Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, Manchester United, Man City, that's five right there. And I don't see us really being able to compete with them this year. I really don't. I, I think this is a huge rebuilding year, and honestly, I, in my personal opinion so far, I think... We would be lucky to finish top eight this year, but we will have to wait and see. But yeah, this is this is the Arsenal rant. I have nothing really to, to rant about today, no real anger issues today. I just was left very unimpressed by our performance today, especially against a Norwich side who just got promoted to the Premier League from the championship this year. So we should have gone out there and crushed them 3 now, but we did not. Um, and so we will have to see what goes on and see if Aubameyang can find his form that he had two years ago because that is much needed right now in order to compete with the top six sides. But moving forward, though, into world soccer, we had a bunch of qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers, you know, CONCACAF, Euro qualifiers, Combo fires, and the South, Af South American qualifiers. But I want to start here um, with the United States. 
because they played our, their last game of, of the window Wednesday night against against Honduras. And what a difference a half made. Oh my goodness. The, the, the United States men's national team look unbelievable in the second half. The first half, they were absolutely abysmal. Abysmal. They could not do anything as they went down early. They, they went down um, on a goal early, early, early on. But after that, Greg Burrowholter switched back to his 4-3-3 formation, brought in a couple of substitutions. And the biggest shock of the game, though, Ricardo Pepe getting the start, 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe, and showing out in World Cup qualifying in his first World Cup qualifying uh, match, his first international debut. I mean, he looked like he belonged. He really did. Scoring a goal um, in there, getting the, getting the lead, I believe. Getting a lead, getting a lead, I believe, late, late on in the game. And then just being an, an overall contributor. An overall contributor. I mean, he had another assist as well that, that, that set up Aronson. He just, he, he looked confident. He looked strong in the box. He's got a great header on him. He's very, very tall. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, not only in the MLS, but in these qualifying matches. Because I think he might be America's new number nine moving forward. We've been looking for a, a pure number nine. And this could be the future uh, golden boy for, for America in terms of their number nine. So we will have to see where this goes uh, with him. But just in terms of the rest of the game, I mean, I wasn't that impressed um with the first half obviously it was a really really abysmal first half for them they just could not get anything on target they they, they were down 11 shots to three at halftime and then turned it around the second half so it was a great finish by them i would just love to see them start out faster um in um in in the future world cup qualifying games i mean if we really can't show out against against these these sides, you know, Mexico, Canada, Honduras, El Salvador, Panama, pa yeah, Panama. That we don't really belong in the World Cup, frankly. That that's how I feel. We don't belong in the World Cup if we can't show out against these sides. And that was our only win. Was was against Honduras, four to one. Um, four to one was that win. Aronson got the goal in the 86 minutes. Uh, Legette got the goal off a rebound from guess who? Pepe. Pepe was just everywhere. He was everywhere. So I am looking forward to seeing. To seeing what, what what happens here with the with the rest with the rest of the squad uh, right now as it stands in the Concacaf World Cup qualifying standings, Mexico has seven points after three games. Canada has five, and the United States on goal difference has five as well, and is third and is currently currently in qualification for the World Cup as it stands right now. The next window will will start on October seventh for our men's national team, and they'll be playing Jamaica. They'll be playing J Jamaica, Panama, and Costa Rica in the next round in round 13 of the World Cup qualifying. So you'll have to wait and see another month. But great second half. We'll have to see if they can improve on that and they can start start out strong instead of just finishing strong. But we'll have to wait and see until next month about that. Anyways, moving forward as well internationally, I have to talk about really quick the GOAT. My GOAT, in my own personal opinion, the GOAT. Lionel Messi breaking the all-time World Cup qualifying South American record, breaking Pepe's record with a superb hat trick. And I mean, it's just, it's Lionel Messi. He is one of the greatest talents, if not the greatest talent ever to, to bless the pitch. And he really showed out, um, showed out the other night. He really, really looked like Lionel Messi again. And, and I can't believe I'm saying he looked like Lionel Messi again because 
it just after last year, the the year from hell, honestly, for him and with with Barcelona, and now that he's with Paris, we weren't sure what really he had left in the tank, you know, for qualifying and that because it is probably Messi's last World Cup. But we think about it, it could be his last World Cup. I mean, he's getting up there in age right now. He's not a young man anymore. He's almost 33 years old. He's he he's almost done here. This, this, this could be it for him. This could be his last World Cup. Qatar 22 could be his last World Cup. But it was an excellent display against against Bolivia, Lionel Messi with the hat trick, all three goals, a worldly finish in, in the beginning, and then two great finishes um, in the 64th and 88th minute to cap it off for Messi. He's just the dynamo he's always been, and I it's a blessing for us all to watch him. Breaking Pele's record with that hat trick is incredible, and I we'll see what happens. I think the, the real key for Messi, what's missing for him, he did win the, the, he did win the, the, the Copa America this year uh, with... with with Argentina, which is his first major trophy with Argentina in his career, and that meant so much to him, as, as we all saw. But I think winning the World Cup would mean that much more to Messi. I think it honestly would solidify his status as the GOAT, or at least a top two or three player of all time. But again, we'll have to wait and see for Qatar, which is going to be in 2022 next summer. I, I can't believe we're saying that. Next summer. We we just had the Euros this year because of COVID. I had to get pushed back a year. We're going to have the World Cup in 2022. So there is a lot of soccer going on right now in the world. But anyways, I want to move past World Cup soccer because we have another slew of sports on this weekend. The NFL is back. Yes, it is week one in the NFL. I'm just so thrilled to have it back. I cannot wait to watch. And we had a great game on Thursday to open up the season. The Cowboys versus the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and what a way to kick off the season, 31-29 with a game-winning field goal for the Buccaneers by Ryan Suckup in the last few minutes. I mean, my, my biggest takeaways from the game, Dak, Dak Prescott, oh my goodness, did he look good. He, coming back from that gruesome, gruesome ankle injury last year that he suffered early on, I mean, before he got hurt, he was leading, he was up there in the MVP race. He could have won the MVP, honestly, last year if he stayed healthy. He was that good. He was playing that well, and, that, and the Cowboys were that hot last year. But just to see Dak out there playing football again was a blessing. And not only that, but to see him just show out. I mean, 403 yards on 58 passing attempts, 42 completions, three touchdowns, and one interception. He looked the real deal. Dak looked the real deal. He missed a couple throws here and there that could have been picked off. I will say that. So Dak still has some improving. You know, we had that lat injury coming into the season that I was actually unaware of until Thursday night broadcast. Shout out to Michelle Tafoya as well for, for getting that report and great reporting by NBC, of course. But Dak Prescott, oh my goodness, did he look good. And the rest of the team too, except for Zeke, which who honestly showed out in ways that weren't measured on the on the stat sheet he had a lot of key blocks to get his to get receivers open amari cooper though cd lamb michael gallup dallas schultz blake jarwin i mean this could be one of the best offenses in the nfc if it isn't already amari cooper ending with thir 13 receptions 139 yards and two touchdowns cd lamb having his own great day seven receptions 104 yards and a touchdown they look like the real deal. CeeDee Lamb coming off that hard knock special where everyone talked about him. Is he going to live up to the hype? No, he looks like the real deal. CeeDee Lamb could pass Amari Cooper this year to be the number one threat on that Cowboys offense. And Amari Cooper is still one of the best route runners in the NFL bar none. He had Jamal Dean going in circles all game. Dak kept going to it, kept going to it, kept going to it. Amari Cooper's footwork is some of the best in the NFL, and he doesn't get enough recognition because he plays for the Cowboys and can get lost in that wide receiver carousel and lost in the 
in the Jerry World, um, in the Jerry World storybook tale, because there's a lot going on in Dallas and Arlington, everything like that. But just a great, great showing for, for, for the boys. I really thought it was going to be a blowout by the Buccaneers. I thought the Cowboys defense was not going to show up, and they played, they played well. The boys played well against, against Tom Brady and the Bucs. So a lot of improvements. Uh, Mike, Micah Parsons really struggled in coverage. Their, their left back, their, not left back, their linebacker that they, that they took uh, early and the 11th pick of the first round, he struggled in coverage, but he looks to be the part and we'll see how he can improve uh, being, being next to, to, to Jalen Smith and, um, and Leighton Vanderesh whenever he comes back. So we will see what goes on with them. But I want to move on to Brady because who else? Tom Brady, of course. He looked some of the best football I've ever seen from I've ever seen from Tom Brady in recent years. I mean, he was gunslinger Brady. To to to, to be frank, he was gunslinger Brady. Finishing the game with 379 yards, passing four touchdowns and two interceptions, and both those interceptions were not his fault. One of them we can remember was dropped by Leonard Fournette on a on a great uh, screen. It was it was dropped and right into the hands of Trayvon Diggs, and then as well he had the interception on the Hail Mary pass to end the half. So both those I'm not counting because those weren't those were intentional throws that weren't his fault. I'll I'll tell you if an interception counts or not. I will be 100% frank with y'all. If an interception counts or not, this one did not though. It didn't. Those two did not though for Brady. So in my eyes, he was 379 yards and four touchdowns, um, and he was un unreal. He was perfect. I mean. How is this possible? Tom Brady is 44 years old playing quarterback, and he looks better than he's looked in three years. I mean, he is a gunslinger now. His deep throw. He had one throw to Antonio Brown in the first half for a touchdown. And by the way, we'll get to Antonio Brown in a second because he might be back too, which I can't believe I'm saying. That deep throw, he couldn't hit that back in New England a couple years ago. And he hit it perfectly in stride. Looks to be the same Tom Bray, still clinical, still getting his timing out, getting his quick release out. But this Tampa, Tampa Bay offense, as well as their defense, I mean, their run defense was unreal. Stopping Zeke um, for 33 yards on 11 attempts. They were, they were just all over the place. Vita Vea especially. My goodness, that guy. That guy is a beast on the defensive line. But just in terms of their offense, this, is, this, is, this team... Won the Super Bowl, defeating the, the great Kansas City Chiefs, you know, and Patrick Mahomes, who many think of as one of the greatest of all time already, even early on in his career. But Brady showed out in that Super Bowl, and they, they destroyed the Chiefs. And now you, you think, can he do it again? They bring the entire team back, basically, which is almost unheard of after a Super Bowl winning title. It's very, very uncommon to do that. A lot of unselfish players, including Mike Evans, who, gave, who restructured his contract to give up some money to, to free up some space to sign these players back. But they, this team just looks unstoppable already. They look fantastic. L last season, they started out really, really slow, losing the first week to the Saints. And this year, they, they decided to kick it off with the bang in Tampa Bay. And wow, absolutely incredible game by both sides. I'm just glad to have football back. And it's really fun to see Antonio Brown back. He had... He had two moves um, against the corner, against Anthony Brown. He cooked Anthony Brown all the live long day. Oh my goodness, did he cook him all day. Oh my God. He, on the touchdown, I haven't seen this from a receiver in a while. His hesitation, I had to watch the replay a couple times because it was so hard to see. It was a subtle half step. He's running the, the go route. 
and he goes off to the right, you know, stop, stop, go, 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 slows down, and in a split second, literally a half second, turns the Jets back on and takes off, and he's gone. Antonio Brown looked like he was prime Brown again. He looked like the receiving yards leader, and he, he looked like one of the greatest of all time, like, like he did a few years ago with Pittsburgh. So if that Antonio Brown is back and playing with Tom Brady, look out, because this offense is ridiculous with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, if they can stay healthy, but this team is ridiculous. And Antonio Brown could be a comeback player of the year. Yes, I said it right here on this podcast. Antonio Brown could be a comeback player of the year. I know he's had a lot of turmoil on the path with his sexual, with his sexual assault cases, his domestic violence cases, but it's good to see him hopefully put that behind him and just focus on his football and his connection with Brady is unbelievable, especially for the the limited time they play together. I mean, they've only played a year or so together, but they look absolutely stellar already. So we'll have to wait and see. Also, Gronk. Gronk looks to be 2015 Gronk again. I mean, he looked unbelievable going up the seam. Micah Parsons had no answer for Gronk, and Brady knew that, especially on that on the second touchdown throw. They're in short line, and they see both of them, both Brady and Gronk, having, knowing the awareness and having the connection they have with each other playing together for so many years. Saw the blitzing linebacker coming off, the blitzing corner coming off as well. And Gronk immediately knows to make the adjustment to go, hey, hey, I'm going to block and then screen open, throw it to me. And Brady knew that too. Gets it off in literally one second, and Gronk is free to run because, because once they know that the, defense, the defensive end has to guard Gronk, Gronk knows he's going to beat him every single time. And that's how he got that second touchdown. So it was great to see Gronk play well. I mean, not great for my fantasy team. I had to play against Gronk this week. Ooh, that was rough. Um, but I love Gronk. I love Brady. Um, being of uh, being having my family from New England as well. I'm big. I'm very much a, a masshole, you would say. Um, I know I support a lot of teams, but you'll learn more about me and about the teams I support as we listen to this podcast and go through this podcast. Um, but it was just great to see Gronk back. It was just great to see Gronk, Gronk back and playing well. And this offense, I don't know who's going to stop it. Again, early on in the season, we'll have to see how they how they stack up. Again, COVID could happen, injuries could happen, a lot of things could happen still. But so far, these guys are unbelievable. And the only real weakness I see with the Buccaneers right now is the cornerback spot because Jamal Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunting being being out, he was out. He he, he got he had to leave the game early. That's the only real spot I see of weakness for them. Um, Moving forward, they'll have to improve their corners and have to improve their defensive, um, their defensive versatility against a lot of top wide receivers they're going to face. I mean, they're, they're hoping to make a deep run. They're hoping to win the Super Bowl again. That's Brady's mindset every single year. So they will need to really establish these corners and get these corners up to speed. Uh, we'll see if anything can, can, make, can make a step forward, but that's the only weakness I see on this Bucks side so far after week one. Anyways, let's move into other players, other other quarterbacks, other receivers, anything like that. Let's move forward going there. And we're going to introduce the next segment on this show. It's called Hot or Not. And the premise of this Hot or Not segment is basically to go to give you four teams, two teams that are hot and two teams that are not that I think for the NFL season. The first team for Hot or Not of the NFL season, I mean, it's the Buffalo Bills. Who else? They were awesome last year going to the AFC Championship game. And who else but Josh Allen? This team looks to be the part returning Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, 
Their running back game is the only real issue I see here, but Devin Singletary, uh, Zach Moss, they'll be just fine, I think, in the backfield as a tandem. And then Emmanuel Sanders, adding Emmanuel Sanders as well. I know he's a bit older, about the end, about the twilight stages of his career, but I think he will have a significant, significant impact uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Honestly, I think they could be, I think they could be the AFC number one going into the playoffs. They could have the best record in the AFC this year. And Josh Allen could be an MVP candidate by the end of the year and could win the MVP. I could 100% see him winning the MVP. This offense with with Brian Dable at, at, at OC. Um, not losing him to the coach, coaching carousel this year was huge for that offense, and I think it's going to be a huge, a massive, massive year for the Buffalo Bills. I see them going all the way at least to the AFC Championship game. I don't know after that what happens with the Chiefs, obviously, but I do see them going to be being in the conversation for a long time, barring any injuries. Um, and then Josh Allen. If you don't have him as your fantasy quarterback or you haven't made that bet yet as um, – you're the passing yards leader or the MVP. I would put that bet in there right now. He could 100% do that uh, moving forward this season. All right, next on the list is the not, and the not right now is the Baltimore Ravens. I, I hate to do it, but, I mean, they have just some of the worst injury luck this year. Every single team has the from hell season, and this is the from hell season for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I do not see them making the playoffs. I don't. I don't see them making the playoffs right now. I, I, I don't I don't know. Lamar struggled with COVID issues. The team just keeps having injury after injury after injury, losing both both um, Gus Edwards, their, their, their running back, as well as starting cornerback Marcus Pierce to a torn ACL in the same practice on consecutive plays on Thursday. That's almost unheard of. They lost both of their guys. Both of their guys on the same practice and consecutive plays to torn ACLs. The same injury, too. So, as much as I want to love the Ravens and you know, love Lamar Jackson, he's, he's a MVP, you know, going to be in this league for a long time, one of the most dynamic players in the NFL, you can't win a football game by yourself. Unless you're Tom Brady. But you can't, you can't win a football game by yourself. And, it, Lamar, and this team is really based on running the football. And they are now down their top three running backs um, losing Edwards, losing J.K. Dobbins, and then losing Justice Hill as well. Their running backs right now are Tyson Williams, Le'Veon Bell, and Devontae Freeman. And for people who haven't followed the NFL in a while, Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman aren't who they used to be, especially Le'Veon Bell uh, since, since he joined the Jets and left the, the, the Steelers. He was, he's just not the same player he was, not the same impact. So it's going to be a running back by committee in Baltimore, and I don't know if they can... Stack up to it. I mean, I, I, I just th this team is showing early signs of what the Niners were like last year when they had all those injuries. Every single team, every single league, every single NFL season has a team from hell uh, type of year, and I think it's gonna be the Baltimore Ravens this year. So look out for them. I don't see them making the playoffs. I think I see them getting edged out by the Steelers as well as by the Browns. As well, a hot team now. Let's move over to a hot team. Our last hot team would be the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert, Mike, Mike, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, if you can stay healthy. This offense is fantastic, and they added a great coach, a great defensive-minded coach in Brandon Staley coming over from the Rams. And, and I'm, just, I'm looking for a huge leap for Herbert this year. I think he really has the makings 
of a true quarterback. I've seen him play in person, actually, the ASU Oregon game back when he was still at Oregon before he became a pro. I did not see this coming. I'll be the first to admit, I did not see Herbert being able to show out the way he has, but he's really, really proven to be a gunslinger in this league, and he just, he can make every throw, it looks like. He's, he's tall, he's quick, he's, he's mobile. So we will see what the Chargers are like. Again, the Chargers... I don't know if they make the playoffs this year, but I think but I think they're in the contention for it. You know, a, a nine and eight, a nine and eight team, a ten and seven team. I can completely see them doing that. They look very, very good, and I'm just looking for a huge year with Justin Herbert. Maybe a little biased because he is my fantasy quarterback this year in the Cronkite Sports League, um, but I think he could be a massive, massive player and possibly an offensive player of the year this year. I can 100% see him being the offensive player of the year this year you know, leading the league in passing yards, possibly. They're going to have to throw a lot. I, I know Brandon Staley came on, they upgraded their defense, you know, bringing in Chris Harris, get, getting getting Joey Bosa back, and everything like that. But I still think they're going to have to throw it a lot, especially with their running back tandem not being the best with Austin Eckler, who's often hurt coming into this in the, this week with a hamstring inch issue already, as well as Justin Jackson, who hasn't proven to be a reliable uh, power back yet in the NFL, but we will have to wait and see. I think the Chargers are going to make a big leap this year under Brandon Staley and going to start possibly a a run here for the Chargers uh, at the new SoFi Stadium to compete with the Rams. And lastly on this list, my knot, my last knot is going to be the Indianapolis Colts. And the only reason why is because I'm out completely on Carson Wentz. I think Frank Wright's a great coach. I think their defense is great. I just don't think Carson Wentz is great. And I really hope he proves me wrong. I, I used to love Carson Wentz, you know, on, on the Eagles. But since he suffered that, that, that knee injury, he hasn't been the same. He looks timid. He looks afraid to throw the football. He looks afraid to be out there, honestly. And that happens to a lot of quarterbacks. You know, it happened to Derek Carr, especially. And we'll get more into that in a minute with uh, with War of the Raiders, which is going to be our, our Raider segment here. But in terms of Carson Wentz, I just I haven't seen it from him in two in three years. And I don't know if it's going to change in the Colts. You know, losing T.Y. Hilton already to a to a neck injury uh, is is a very is a very big deal. And so there, and so we'll have to see if, if Michael Pittman can make can make big jumps this year. And their um, and their running back and their running backs can really step up for them. I think it's going to be a, a, a big year for their running backs. They're going to rely heavily on their running back, their run game. They have a great O line, of course, of Quentin Nelson. But I just don't think under Carson Wentz they can lead them back to the playoffs. I don't see them coming out of the AFC South. Um, I don't know who comes out of the AFC South, honestly, but I don't see the Colts coming out of the AFC South this year, unfortunately. All right, and moving forward into the four games to watch this weekend. Every single week, again, I'll be previewing the NFL games of the weekend and as well what I'm going to call the Sunday Ticket Toilet Bowl, which is basically the the most basically the, the Mr. Irrelevant trophy in the NFL. You know how they give that – it's a um, an unofficial trophy they give out to the last pick in the draft – this is the last game, you know, I feel like you should watch um, this year. The game, the the crap game, I guess I, I would call it uh, this year or this this week. So the four games to watch so far for, uh, for, for this week one, we have a slew of great games. I say watch all of them. But if you have time, watch these four games. Steelers-Bills. I mean, Big Ben has lost weight. The Steelers are looking to get back into the playoffs and get back into their winning ways, make make a make a last ditch run with Ben before he call, hangs it up for good. And the Buffalo Bills, of course, are looking to start a dynasty in Buffalo with Josh Allen. So it is the future versus the past. We will see which gunslinger wins out. It's gonna be a lot. It's gonna be a high-scoring game. It's gonna be a high-scoring game. It's gonna be a lot of fun. 
Uh, the Steelers defense looks great as well, you know, with, with the Steelers signing TJ Watt, their best defensive player, to a massive extension, four-year, $112 million uh, in the past few days, $80 million guaranteed. They are looking to get after the quarterback quickly, and Josh Allen will have to scramble in this game, so it's going to be a very, very good game. Um, I see the Bills coming out on top in this one, but we will have to wait and see. The Steelers could 100% win this game. As well, uh, the next game on this list is the Seahawks-Colts. And I know I just dogged the Colts a little bit. I know I just talked a little shit about the Colts. But I think this the reason why to watch this game is, one, Russell Wilson. Especially after the offseason he had, you know, with the trade rumors and all that, I want to get trade. I might want to go to Vegas. I might want to go to the Bears. Who knows? I'm unhappy in Seattle. We'll see if he can put it together now. Pete Carroll hopefully looking to establish a more of a passing game for him instead of a run game. I know he wants to throw the ball. And we'll see what the impact of Chris Carson and Rashad Penny can do um, from the run game. I think they're both um, awesome players, especially Chris Carson. He's a beast if he can stay healthy. But Russell Wilson is going to look to make a point this year, that he is still the guy. He's still one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. He's still got it. He's still a Super Bowl MVP. So we will see what the Seahawks can do. I expect them to be there in the end in the NFC West race. I couldn't tell you right now who's going to win the, who's going to win the NFC West, but I expect them to be around there, you know, 10 and 7, something like that. I, I see the I see the Seahawks being, being bring around that 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 ranking, that record after the regular season. In terms of the the Colts, so the Colts side of this, it's the first game of Carson Wentz and and Frank Wright's already given it a go. He's going to play uh, week one against the Seahawks and a, and a Seahawk defense that that's going to look to get after him with Jamal Adams. He's going to look to headhunt uh, Carson Wentz. So we'll see how he handles his first game as an Indianapolis Colt, and it should be a lot of fun, a great spectacle to watch. Another another game to watch: Browns Chiefs, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, is Baker a top ten quarterback or is he a mid tier quarterback like a lot of people think he is? And as well for the Chiefs, obviously it's the First game since the Super Bowl loss for Patrick Mahomes and the year of redemption for him and for the Chiefs. They really spent a lot of money on their O-line this year, drafting uh, drafting Freed Humphrey, as well as bringing bring other, other talent on that line to really shore it, shore it up for, for Patrick because that, that was the big issue in the Super Bowl is that he had no protection. And so we will see what happens. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, the whole tandem, they don't have as much depth at wide receiver as they used to have. But they still are the Kansas City Chiefs. They still have Patrick Mahomes on that roster. So we will see what happens. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be in Kansas City, I believe. I see the Chiefs coming away with this one. Uh, the Browns will put up a great fight, though, with the great defensive front, you know, Javion Clowney, as well as Miles Garrett on the defensive ends. So we'll wait to see what happens. As well, I, I picture a big comeback year for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, having him back in the offense, I think, will be a big deal for these Browns. And how, and how creative uh, Kevin Stefanski can get with his offense. And lastly, the last game to look at on the Packers-Saints is the Packers-Saints game uh, coming out, coming up. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it's the last dance. Him and Devontae Adams both put it out there on their social medias earlier in the year with all the speculation that went through with Aaron, you know, him being the MVP last year. Does he still got it? How, how, what's his first game going to be like after receiving the MVP, after losing in the NFC Championship game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And then for Devontae Adams, I mean, he established himself as one of, if not the best wide receiver last year, virtually unstoppable. His route running is bar none, so crisp, so so crisp, so technically sound. We'll have to see if he still has that, if he can stay healthy. I know he struggled with injuries in the past, you know, nagging injuries and stuff like that. But we'll have to see if he can stay healthy. And then for the Saints, obviously, 
um, the, the first regular season game for Jameis. I mean, he backed up Drew Brees last year, and I think it could honestly be a benefit this year to have Jameis Winston because he's going to let it fly. He's going to let it fly. Um, they're without Michael Thomas for the first six weeks. He's, he's on a short-term IR again, but we'll have to see what happens with Jameis Winston. They have Marquez Callaway from Tennessee, who's played really well in the preseason, and Jameis with a point to prove. You know, he threw for 5,000 yards one year with, with the Buccaneers, that, that, and that's, that's a huge deal. Not a lot of quarterbacks throw for 5,000 yards. I know given a lot of interceptions, yes, he makes a lot of uh, boneheaded mistakes, but I, I'm, in, I'm just intrigued to see Jameis. I mean, he... He played well in the preseason, and granted, that's a preseason. You know, not always first stringers, more second, more second stringers than third stringers. But I, I'm just excited to see him back there, as well as Alvin Kamara uh, with the release of Latavius Murray. He is now the full-time back, pretty much, in that offense. Um, he's going to get a massive workload. I see over 20% of a target share, of a workload share for him. Um, it, it's going to be similar to how Christian McCaffrey is using on the Panthers. He's going to be a dual-threat option at receiver, as well as running back. And so let's see if, if the, the Packers can keep up with Kamara, and let's see if the Saints can try and help outscore the Packers in a, probably a high-scoring game um, in Jacksonville because of the devastation from Hurricane Ida in New Orleans. It got moved to Jacksonville. So we'll see what happens in the Florida air. And then lastly, my Toilet Bowl game of the week, Panthers-Saints. <laughs> and the reason why it's the Panthers-Saints is because, one, it's the Sam Darnold uh, return against against the Jets. You know he was drafted by the New York Jets and it didn't work out. Unfortunately, he was traded this last uh, this offseason to the Panthers, and thankfully he's starting Week One against the Jets. Um, and, and Zach Wilson, their their second overall pick this year, and he's looked very very good in preseason. Very Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers like, very Mahomesy like, just able to, to to throw it and sling anywhere he wants. Looks very very confident and mobile in the pocket. But this is his first taste of regular season ball, so we will see how it goes against a against an emerging Panthers defense. You know, and Brian Burns, uh, J.C. Thorn, uh, J.C. Horn. They spent their first round draft pick on is also is also making his debut um, this weekend. So we will see what happens with these Jets and with these Panthers. But I have it as a toilet bowl game of the week just because it's 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 Sam Darnold. It's it's kind of funny. It's comical. We'll see if he has anything. I think if he doesn't show out in this game or shows kind of similar facets as he has in the previous couple years, I think it's done. I, I think it's I, I think it's signed, sealed, and delivered <laughs> on his NFL career. You know, he still is young. He's still only 23 years old, but he hasn't made the strides necessary. And we'll see under a very creative coach um, in, in Matt Rule. Under a very creative coach in Matt Rule coming from Baylor last year, and then having Christian McCaffrey back as well will really benefit um, Sam Darnold, they're going to use him a lot in, in, in that workload. He's going to be the feature back, the receiver as well. Um, so we will see what happens with those two. But that is my Toilet Bowl of the Week. And lastly, on the show, we are going to do the Roar of the Raiders, my last segment for today. And the Roar of the Raiders is going to be similar to how what did Arsenal do now is. It's, it's basically a rant uh, segment for me to discuss the Raiders because I am a lifelong Raider fan Born and raised in Sacramento, California, my dad uh, got me into the Raiders when I was five years old, and I haven't, I haven't given up on on them since. It's a big struggle to be a Raiders fan. I'm not gonna lie; it's a very, very big struggle. A lot of sadness comes with that. You know, a lot of boneheaded mistakes come with the Raiders and and, own, and owning them a lot of mockery. But I still love my team, even if they don't uh, treat the fans right as they should, with, with not winning a lot lately. But anyways, we are, I'm going to preview the first game uh, of the week. And again, Monday Night Football against, guess who? The Baltimore Ravens. 
a playoff team last year, and typically I would pick the Ravens to win this game, but because of the injuries and because it's the first game with fans in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, I think the Raiders are going to come out on top in this one. The Ravens have lost, as I mentioned earlier, their top three running backs. Um, and I, I just think they're going to want to run the ball a lot, and I think the Raiders are going to try and show out. The Raiders usually play well in their first game. It's towards the middle of the season that, th that they end up collapsing. So I think it's going to be a great showing for them as it was last year against the Saints. They're going to show out. They're going to show all their dynamic weapons. I think it's going to be a big year for Henry Ruggs as well. I think he's going to be a big part of that offense. He's starting alongside side uh, Brian Edwards as, as well on that on that wide receiver slot. So these two young receivers are hungry and looking to make a statement and make a name for themselves in the league. And as well, you know, Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in, in the world, um, is also playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. The reason why I'm not that high, though, on the Raiders this year is because I'm still not a big fan of Derek Carr. I haven't been a big fan of Derek Carr since he broke his leg, actually, a few years back against against the, the Colts. That was a devastating injury for him, and he hasn't recovered since. And while a lot of people, you know, say it's not Carr's fault, it's the team, it's not built right, Mike Mayock, John Gruden, I think some of the blame should go to Derek Carr. I just don't think he has it. I don't think he has the right chops to be the quarterback of the future for the for the for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think he still shows his how timid he is in the pocket sometimes and doesn't make the necessary throws he needs to make and instead opts for the throw away and the safe bet. Um, he isn't much of a risk taker as, as he used to be anymore and so I'm hoping he proves me wrong this year, but that's just how I feel. I think our team lives and dies with the performance of Derek Carr, and so we will see what happens um, with him because if he's able to get off going, that's going to help Josh Jacobs and our running backs uh, with Kenyon Drake as well get get open lanes and open that up so they don't have to stack the box against Derek Carr or anything like that. Um, and again, the schedule's not bad. We have a pretty easy schedule this year, but the Raiders, like last year and the year before, we played really, really well for the first half of the season, you know, in playoff contention, looking to, 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 to lock down a wild card spot. But every single year, it seems like we collapse at the worst possible time. I mean, in the, in the midseason, we, we just keep losing games we shouldn't be losing. And so that's why I feel that the Raiders aren't going to make the playoffs this year. I see them being more of a 7-10 and 10 team, if I'm being quite honest with everyone here. I don't think they're going to be able to compete with the Chiefs. Um, I think the Chargers are actually going to outpace them this, this year as well. Um, in, just terms of, in just terms of that, I don't, I don't think our defense is that good either. We haven't made massive strides to our defense. Paul Gunther is still the defensive coordinator there, and I, I don't think he's that great of a defensive coordinator, if I'm being completely honest with everyone here. So I, ho I, I, I hope that, that Jonathan Abrams can make, can make a big strides this year as our strong safety, our hard-hitting strong safety, but I, I just don't know who's going to really step up. I'm excited to see Max Crosby back, though. He was a great standout for us last year on the defensive end. I just don't know who's going to stand up this year for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think it's going to come down to Mike Mayock being let go after the end of the season. I don't think it's Gruden. I think it's Mike Mayock that, that, that gets the can first. He's made a lot of questionable decisions in, in his time um, with the Las Vegas Raiders, especially in this recent draft, taking Alex Leatherwood uh, with, the with, our, with our first round pick instead of other players like um, Christian Warsaw. Um, or yeah, Christian, I believe Christian Warsaw, as well as um, you know, other players, other offensive scheme players, defensive scheme players. He did make up for it though in the second round, taking uh, um, Trevor Trevor Mooring, who was who was a very good safety coming out of TCU. Just had a couple of minor injury concerns, but hopefully he's able to play well for us, like opposite of Abram. But I think Mike Mayock gets let go after this year. I really do. And it's unfortunate. I like Mike Mayock as a person, but as a GM, he has not succeeded with the Raiders. And maybe that's Gruden's fault. Maybe that's Mark Davis's fault. 
but Mike Mayock hasn't really been set up for success since coming into the Raiders um, a few seasons ago. He had all the picks, and he just he he hasn't really hit on one yet. Um, Mike um, Max Crosby was the only one I would say he really really hit on so far, and that's it. And that was like a fourth round pick. He hasn't hit on our first rounder at all so far. I, I, waiting to see on, on Leatherwood, obviously. Waiting to see on Leatherwood. Abrams, obviously, too. But so far, he has not hit the way I would have liked him to. And so that's why I think the Raiders are going to be a 7-10 and 10 team. They're going to be a middling team. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. But I do expect some big strides from Ruggs and other offensive players we have. And just the individual defensive performances moving forward with this team. I, I, I don't think Carr as well as, as the Raiders quarterback after this year, but we will have to see a, a lot is riding, again, on ride or die with their Carr. That's kind of that's kind of John Gruden's motto right now is that he, he believes in Carr. They believe in Carr as the quarterback of the future, as the quarterback of the Raiders. We'll have to wait and see. He hasn't proven it in a, in a while, but we will have to wait and see. Anyways, before I wrap up the show, we have about five minutes left on the show. I want to do. I want to introduce something called King's Corner, and this is this is the other segment I'm going to introduce later on in the year as the NBA season starts because I'm a Sacramento Kings fan myself, and so it's going to be similar to you know Roar of the Raiders, similar to what Arsenal do. Just a kind of a debrief of my thoughts on the recent Kings move and the recent morale of the Sacramento Kings, especially because of how horrendous they are all the time. <laughs> Oh man, they, they they suck. I it it really is hard to root for the Sacramento Kings. Some it's just we haven't made the playoffs since 2006, I believe. That's a that's a 15 year drought. The longest active drought in the NBA is Sacramento Kings. We're, we're yearning, we're dying for any sense to celebrate for this team, but I I don't know if it's going to come. And the biggest story right now in the NBA is the Ben Simmons trade. I mean, he just made a a mess of that situation. I don't know where he goes, but the reason why I'm connecting to the Kings is that I think he gets traded to the Sacramento Kings. And while I understand, you know, it's Ben Simmons, Defensive Player of the Year, you know, a great talent, still, you know, 25 years old, still a young, young player, and that could get has has immense potential. I don't know if he wants to be in Sacramento, and that's why I don't know if I want him here. It also depends on what we offer the Philadelphia 76ers because if we're giving up Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton, or De'Aaron Fox, I'm out. I'm out. I'm sorry. I can't give up those two. That's it. I can give you a lot of other things. I can give you Marvin Bagley. I'll ship him off. I'll ship his ass out right now. I'll give him in a $5 bill. I will give it to you right now. Uh, Buddy Heald, I'll send to you as well. You want a shooter? Go for it. You got Buddy Heald. I can't give up Tyrese Halliburton. I can't give up De'Aaron Fox. I'm sorry. Not for Ben Simmons. Because both of those guys want to be in Sacramento, especially Tyrese Halliburton um, with recent clips of him showing out for Chris Webber and Chris Webber's Hall of Fame induction coming up shortly. He loves the city of Sacramento. De'Aaron loves the fan base of Sacramento. And so I'm hoping they can concede, they can succeed with that tandem as well as Davion Mitchell, but we'll have to see what they give up. If the package is Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley in two firsts, I'm all in. I'm all in for Ben Simmons. All in. But if it's losing Fox or Halliburton, I'm out. I'm out. But anyways, that's my thought on Sacramento Kings and where they're going. We will... Again, get into more NBA stuff as training camp opens up in the next couple of weeks and as the season progresses. We're only about a month or so away from the from from the NBA season starting in mid-October. So a, a quick turnaround from the NBA Finals that happened in July. I'm very excited to see what, what happens and, and who responds. A lot of great things are going on. I mean, the league is wide open. I couldn't tell you who's going to be in it. I think it's going to be the Lakers and the Nets, but I could not tell you who is going to be in the NBA Finals this year. We had two of the biggest surprises, obviously, with 
the Bucks, as well as the Phoenix Suns here in the Valley. Such a great time to support the Suns, and that was so much fun to watch. But we'll have to wait and see with those teams what happens in the NBA. And again, we'll talk about that more as we get closer and closer to the NBA season. But that's it for this podcast, this, this first episode of the Fergoso, of the Fergo Show. Still getting used to the name, the Fergo Show, uh, here exclusively going out on Spotify. Thank you guys all for listening to this podcast. I know it's a bit long, and I know I ramble sometimes, but I, I really, really appreciate you guys supporting my journey and supporting uh, my craft. I love what I do. I love sports radio. I love talking about sports. I've been, I, I've been in love with it since I was a little kid. And if you guys have any suggestions or anything like that, please let me know. Anything you guys want me to talk about, please let me know. We'll again have more interviews coming up, uh, coming out shortly, especially because I'll be doing our show next week um, on Friday. We'll be coming out every single Friday afternoon um, from here on out. No more Saturdays uh, unless I let you guys know. I will let you guys know on my social media if it comes out on a Saturday or after Friday. But for now, it'll be coming out Friday after uh, Friday afternoon before the um, slate of, of match week come out for Premier League as well as for the Sunday game to preview that to give time to digest. But anyways, that's all I have for you guys here on the Forgo Show on episode one. Thank you once again for supporting the launch. Uh, you can find me on Spotify at, um, at Emil Fergoso as well as on my Instagram at Emiliano Fergoso, on my Twitter at Emiliano Fergoso. Follow me on Snapchat at Emil underscore F. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this, and we will be back next week with more sports from around the world, more hot takes, and more controversy in the sports world. So stay locked in and stay cool out here in this Phoenix, Arizona heat. Thank you all for tuning in, and have a great rest of your weekend.